This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the internet and radio ministry of the Christian Crusaders. What if your first thought each time you saw someone was to pray for them or bless them? Or how about being able to genuinely wish your enemies well? These are real possibilities for us. Let's learn how in today's program. The mind is a terrible thing to waste, but it's a great thing to invest in. So today we're going to take a look at how to best invest in our minds. I hope you'll stay with us. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty and merciful God and Father, how good it is to spend time with you in worship today. We open our hearts and our minds to you and simply ask that you would fill us up with your word. For your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Amen. for today is taken from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, 
what is good and acceptable and perfect. Dear friends, perhaps you've heard this phrase, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. That phrase actually originates from an advertising campaign for the United Negro College Fund back in 1972. It's been with us for a lot of years. It seeks uh, scholarships for young African Americans so they can go to college. And it is true, a mind not given opportunities to learn and to grow is a terrible thing. The Apostle Paul couldn't agree with that more. 
Our earlier reading from Romans 12 affirms the truth of that. Our reading in Romans 12 begins with that appeal. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. Whenever we encounter a therefore in Scripture, we need to ask what it's there for. Paul, you see, has just spent the first 11 chapters of Romans describing God's many mercies, what he's done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. He begins telling us about how God had a problem with us. Our sinfulness led to a broken relationship with God, and the consequences of sin is death, separation from God forever. God's answer for that problem was Jesus Christ. While we were still sinners, he gave his son to die on a cross to pay for our sins. We're justified by faith, and we receive peace with God as we place our trust in Jesus Christ. God has given us the new life of the Holy Spirit, given to work in our lives and reshape us and conform us to the image of his Son, Jesus Christ. We're considered adopted children of God. The Holy Spirit is the sign of that. For the believer in Christ, the promise is that God is for us and nothing can separate us from his love in Christ Jesus, Paul tells us in the first 11 chapters. And now he says, therefore, in light of all that God has done for us, because of all the mercies he has shown us, this is what to do with your new life in Christ as you live in grateful response to his grace. And here's Paul's appeal. He says, offer your bodies, which means your whole self, to God. Make your life an offering to him. He's using sacrifice language here. Dedicate yourselves to him. Your holy living, your living that is set apart for God, is your spiritual worship to the God who saved you. He says, first, don't be conformed to this world. Don't let uh, the world squeeze you into its own mold, as J.B. Phillips says in the Good News version of this. This present age, this culture has twisted values. It teaches us that me, myself, and I are number one to live for ourselves. Apostle Paul says, uh, now that you're in Christ, that's to change. He says, don't be shaped by the world's norms, but God's norms. I came across this little article by James Emery White entitled, The Most Powerful Education System Ever Known. He writes, Todd Gitlin, one of the leading thinkers on media in our lives, recently said this, The torrent of images, songs, and stories streaming has become our familiar world. This torrent determines what we see and what we don't, what we think about and what never enters our minds. The media we watch every day has been shaping us for years, whether we know it or not. For example, think of MTV. As MTV's founding chairman Bob Pittman stated in a 1982 interview, if you can get their emotions going, make them forget their logic, you've got them. At MTV, we don't shoot for the 14-year-olds, we own them. Or think of the TV show Friends, which ran for 10 years in the 90s and into the early 2000s, 
and is now one of the most popular shows in syndication. Funny, right? But not innocent. A survey of 236 episodes of the sitcom found that the characters had a total of 85 sexual partners, and that's only counting those who appeared on screen. What does that do to us? More than we realize. What the media does is normalize things like that. If you see likable characters on TV having sex outside of marriage enough times, it becomes not only acceptable but desirable. That's why Fred Fedler, the author of one of the most widely used college textbooks on mass media, writes, The media may constitute the most powerful education system ever known to man. Those two value systems, the world and God's will, are incompatible. They're, in fact, they're in direct collision with one another. Whether we're thinking about the purpose of life or the meaning of life or about how to measure greatness or how to respond to evil or about ambition or sex or honesty or money or community or anything else, these two sets of standards diverge so completely there is not a possibility of compromise. And so Paul says, don't be conformed to that old system, but be transformed. Transformed is the word metamorphosis, changed. That word is first used in the New Testament when Jesus was transfigured before Peter, James, and John on the mountain. He was outwardly changed. He shined brightly, displaying the glory of God. He was different and so how can I be transformed as a follower of Christ so that my character and conduct displace the glory of God as I live my life out in the presence of God and others? That's the question. And Paul answers it for us here. He says, by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. You see, our inner life needs reshaping in a big way. Our thinking needs some work. It needs renewing. And you might wonder, why do our minds need renewing in the first place? That's easy, because our minds are fallen. We're sinful. We're into the me, myself, and I thing. We're really talking about mindset here, as Paul talks about the mind. The mind doesn't just have a view, but a viewpoint. It doesn't just have to have the power to perceive and detect. It also has a posture, an attitude, a certain bent to it. It needs to be changed. After the fall into sin, in Romans, Paul says in the first chapter, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased, which means lower in quality, character, mind, and to things that should not be done. We have fallen minds. And if transformation is to take place, so that we might live a life that glorifies and pleases God. It begins with your mind. We know that proverb out of the Old Testament, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Right thinking leads us towards right actions, which actually then will turn us around to have right feelings. And that priority is a critical thing. We have a tendency to follow our feelings first and then act. The problem is they're always fluctuating these feelings and we're not at all finding them to be dependable or very well informed. 
We need right thinking first. Now, the thing is, we cannot renew our own minds. Paul knows that. He doesn't tell us in this text, but in other places, this renewal of the mind, he tells us, is possible through the working of the Holy Spirit. And that's our good news, that as we trust in Christ, we receive his Holy Spirit that will renew our minds. He is our change agent. His job description is to transform us. And how he does that is the tool, the main tool he uses for bringing about transformed right thinking in a person is the Word of God, the Gospel. N.T. Wright uh, tells a story in one of his commentaries that speaks to this. He said, a friend of mine described the reaction when he went home as a young teenager and announced to his mother that he'd become a Christian. Alarmed, she thought he'd joined some kind of cult. They've brainwashed you, she said. And he was ready with the right answer. If you'd seen what was in my brain, he replied, you'd realize it needed washing. Of course, he hadn't been brainwashed. In fact, again and again, and this was certainly the case with my friend, N.T. Wright says, when people bring their lives, their outer lives and inner lives into the light of Jesus the Messiah, things began to come clear. If anything, it's our surrounding culture that brainwashes us, persuading us in a thousand subtle ways that the present world is the only one there is. This is seldom argued by any. Rather, a mood is created in which it seems just easier to go with the flow. That's what happens in brainwashing. But what the gospel does, God's word, is to administer a sharp jolt, to shine a bright light, to kickstart the brain and the moral sensibility into working properly for the first time. The Holy Spirit works in our inner lives through the Word of God, the Gospel. He reshapes us. That means we find it important to develop a holy habit like personal reading and study of my Bible. In the spirit of praying, God, show me what you want me to see. With a spirit of repentance, I will do what you want me to do because I know that you know what makes my life work best. That we would move through it slowly, reflectively, asking questions, taking it a little bit at a time. We need to be involved with time with God's Word. If you're thinking, well, I need some help with that, then I would recommend getting the book, Reading the Bible for All It's Worth by Fee and Stewart. It's a godsend for those that want to get to know God's Word and how to read it better. There's memorizing verses for things that you struggle with that can be very helpful. Struggling with fear, memorize Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? Or if you struggle with pride, how about Philippians 2, 3? Put that one in your heart. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but count others better than yourself. Or perhaps you have worry and anxiety eating away at you. Peter says, cast your anxieties on Christ, for he cares for you. Perhaps it's a sense of weakness in your life. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
tuck those away, memorize them, walk with them through your day. I would recommend taking a Bible class. At, at our church, we uh, Monday night have 300 men here for Bible study fellowship. I'm seeing lives get changed by this. We also have taught in the past a course called Divine Drama, which gives us insight as to how the whole Bible works together. I can't recommend that highly enough. We're very big around here on the power of a small group experience. As a group of people get together, surrounding God's Word, studying it together before they get together, and then discussing it and praying about it and asking one another, what are you going to do with this? I have a friend recently who was just showing me his daily devotional method. He has a daily Bible app for those of you who like technology. So I use it every day. When was the last time you dove into some theological reading? I'm not talking about lightweight stuff. I'm talking about even a review of Luther's small catechism. The basics that we need to cling to that can shape us. I'm teaching a class right now called Alpha, which answers the questions of life. The great ideas of the faith holds the answers for us. We tend to spend, you see, so much of our time filling our minds up with junk food. Cell phones have taken over our lives. Or television's consumption is just out of hand and social media and the internet and through that flows the world's values and it gets you to the point where it's hard to tell the truth from the lies my dear friends why not in light of the mercies of god in your life devote yourself to more time in god's word this year it will be a transforming experience for you. There are such dividends to be gained. Imagine having a mind cleansed of all the debris that blocks your best intentions. Imagine if each time you saw another person, your first thought was to pray for them or bless her. Imagine what it would be like if... Anytime you were challenged or anxious, your reflexive response would be to turn to God for strength. Imagine if you're a married man, that whenever you looked at any woman other than your wife, you would see her as if she were your sister or your daughter. Imagine genuinely wishing your enemies well. That's a possibility for you and me, as we allow God's Word to wash over our thinking our minds, as we allow it to dwell in us richly, we will find ourselves transformed in wonderful ways. So it is true. Your mind is a terrible thing to waste, but it's a wonderful thing to invest in. My appeal today is that you would take care of it, that you would renew it, Commit yourself to God's Word being a regular habit in your life. You see, God has His great plan for you. He wants you to have a new abundant life in Christ. He loves you as you are, but He refuses to leave you that way. He gave His Son Jesus to die on a cross and rise again so that you could receive this wonderful new life and grow in it and use it to His 
honor and glory. So my appeal today is, why not get in on this? For some listening today, it might be, you need to take the first step of receiving the mercies God has prepared for you through trusting in His Son, Jesus Christ, and asking Him in, and committing yourself to following Him. You can do that today. He will not turn you away. For those of you who have taken that step, then the appeal is then open your mind up to the life-giving, life-changing soul food that God has prepared for you. Develop the holy habit of being a person of the Word of God. Because a mind is a terrible thing to waste, but it's a wonderful thing to invest in. Amen. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart, in my heart. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, it's good to be reminded that you love us as we are, but you refuse to leave us that way. It's good to know that you have plans for us to transform us into people who think and act like our loving Savior Jesus. We ask today that you would help us to develop the habit of opening, reading, and studying our Holy Bibles daily so that your Holy Spirit may shape or reshape our thinking to live life according to your will and your ways. For your word is truth, and your truth sets people free. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Now, as you go on your way, May Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You've been worshiping with the Internet and Radio Ministry of the Christian Crusaders. 
It is our prayer you will first receive the mercies God has prepared for you as you trust in His Son, Jesus Christ. Then you will open your mind to the life-giving soul food God has prepared for you. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry supported entirely by the gifts of our listening audience. Many people choose to support this ministry with the memorial gift, which is given to remember a loved one or friend. Daily prayer is also a very important way of supporting the work of this ministry. Address your gifts and prayer concerns to Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. We are thankful for all those who support this ministry with their prayers and finances. We invite you to take a moment and visit us on the Internet, where you'll find printed and audio copies of many of our messages, as well as prayer requests and other interesting and useful information for your faith walk. Visit us anytime at christiancrusaders.org. We are happy you chose to worship with us this day, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota, and Speaker on Christian Crusaders, now in its 82nd year of broadcasting biblical truth.